This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, good evening and welcome to Green and White, your weekly Argyle Life podcast. With us today, we have Sam. Hello. We have Adam. Hello. And we have Louis. Alright. So, last time we spoke, I believe we said the words, um, let's hope for three really good performances that we could come back and chat about, and we certainly didn't get that. Um, obviously, 1-0 defeat to Truro, I haven't seen, I, well, I wasn't present for that, but both Sam, Sam and Louis were. Yeah, yeah wasn't we're much there. to write home about. And then uh, Adam, uh, Adam, Sam and I both saw Parkway and Truro. So Sam's seen all three, and Sam, how much are you panicking right now? Um, depends. That question could be answered by what are you panicking about? Am I panicking about us being in the wrong end of the table and getting relegated to the conference? No, not at all. We've got too much quality for that and I think we're too good for that and we've got too big a budget for that. Am I panicking about us not getting promoted? Well, I wouldn't call it panicking, but I think it's very... I don't... I'm... I do not think at the moment that it is likely that we will go up. Um, obviously, that's a very much a tentative thing. More more information that comes, the more I'm liable to change my mind on that. You know, if we make the right signings and if we, you know, show you know signs of playing more cohesively in the style low wants, that could change. I, moment, I, I just I want to say because I mean, sorry, we're, 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 we're just over a minute. I just want to make sure, just so we don't lose people. This isn't going to be a moan fest. Most of us aren't like Sam. I'm just going to let Sam get his opinion out of the way first. Sorry, do continue. Because I, I, yeah, well, I, uh, I don't want to fear people yeah. I know turning on, hear, hearing, you know, open up with Sam saying, I don't think we're going down, we're not getting promoted either, and think, oh, can't be bothered, off we go. Yeah, that, that's it, really. I mean, I'm, I think we could well go up. I'm not saying we definitely, but I think at the moment, we haven't, I think there's a lot of work needs doing in terms of adapting to low style. A lot of work needs doing in players who need to learn new roles. And I think, frankly, we still need, I'm going to say, three or four established, you know, first team players. Plus a few backups, I would say. In which positions? Right central midfield. Um, I think Conor Grant is best off le- left central midfield. Best Charles on left? Mitch. I'd say so. I think, uh, where, so who's going to play left centre mid? Well. Yeah. What is that? Did, were you not watching so, yeah. a talkie? Grant had a great game. Came on, he did it. If you go back and watch Mayer's highlights last season, he did a lot of what he did there, which was working to create space for the right wing back. Yeah. 
Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm a bit lost Grant there. How, how, how you watched that and somehow didn't think that Conor Grant looked like a natural a right centre mid, but go on. He did, he did well in terms of creating space, and I gave him a 7 out of 10. I think he had a decent game, but he did, he wasn't quite so good on the ball as what he is when he's on his natural side. Could he use quick, his left foot sorry, better? Also, a quick, quick reminder, sorry, that he was playing with a bunch of deadwood either side of him. He spent most Riley, of his half playing with... Side of him. Riley's not dead. Riley played about seven minutes with him. Moore played the rest. Yeah, Sarsovic, who did nothing all game, was to the left of him. Then he had uh, Joel Grant, who had a pretty poor... Until literally the last couple of minutes, was poor up front. And um, Lolos and then Jeffcott. And Lolos didn't have a very good second half, and Jeffcott was even worse. Yeah, I, I, I'm true, a big fan of how you're basically saying that Conor Grant had to do it all by himself or he's rubbish. Well, not really. I just think he's a lot. He's a lot of a strong. He's a much stronger player when he's on his natural side when he can use his foot. Um, he was he using his left foot all the time. What? What were you watching? I think it, you make I think it... it slows the play down a bit when he has to cut inside. I think he's more natural when it comes to him on his left. So okay. So what are you expecting Conor Grant to do if he's playing left centre mid? If he's not playing right centre mid? Well, I, I think you know generally when you're on your natural side, you use your stronger foot a bit more. When you're on your weaker side, you have to cut inside to go onto your stronger foot, don't you? Whereas I think he's better. He's better playing playing more naturally. Were you aware um, that he basically touched the ball exclusively with his left foot yesterday? Didn't seem very slow. Virtually everything Argyle did up until the last five minutes of the second half went through Conor Grant. He was constantly making breaks down the right. He put through, I think it was about five times, he worked either Moore or Joe Riley into space behind Torquay's back line. And had we actually had some good deliveries from that point, we would have scored goals. He did, I'm not disputing that, but that, but that's that again. That's more kind of more. But about clearly, he's slowing down. He's slowing down the game space. so much that no one actually got in behind. What a load of rubbish! Off the ball, move, off the ball movement is what I'm saying. He did very well, but I'm saying on the ball, on the, the ball, on the ball, all he did was pass through Torquay's team. Honestly, what were you watching? He, what about he, the? T- had, sorry, yeah, less but, than two. Sorry, less than five minutes into the second half, he drew a pass three players on a free kick on the edge of the area. All on his left yeah, foot, I good. might add. That was good. On oh, Jesus Christ, he, he certainly wasn't so good in um, right central midfield in the game at uh, Parkway. He was a bit we had a pretty terrible view. It. Let's not forget against Parkway. Yeah, we did. Have, we did it have was up the other end of the pitch, and on top of that, who won the penalty? He did. D- did he win the I'm penalty on his left foot by cutting in? Yeah, he did. Yeah. How many times did he make breaks down the right with firing more? Good not three that or four. Many that- Good three or four in the first half. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I possibly there was three of them, but so yeah, okay, maybe, maybe he can cut inside a little bit, you know, better than I thought. But I was, I was kind of thinking Christ, that this is be, one... <sighs> if you if you played him as a conventional left central midfielder, he wouldn't have to cut inside so much. I, have, have, you, have you have, have you considered that the point of his position might be to cut inside? That that Lowe wants him coming in onto a stronger foot, and that he wants to work the angles that are made by him cutting on a stronger foot by coming inside slightly. He's drawing in the fullback in the sense of in creating space for the overlap. Have you considered any of this? Because otherwise, if he's on I his left foot, he's going to be no. he's going to be looking to move outside. He's going to start you know sitting in the space that he wants other people to be moving in. He wants to be playing inside. You know, he wants to be working those right angles that he only can with his left foot. Very, Imagine very him like facing goal from the, the right. Side, yeah, yeah, and he can play... If he's facing goal from the right and he's got the ball in, you know, right in front of his feet, with his left foot he can play down the wing, right? With his right foot he has to play inside. Yeah, you know, 
have you considered that he's designed that way to create overlaps and to be able to cut inside and shoot and to take advantage because if the defender doesn't come with him he's free to dribble if the defender comes with him he can lay it wide to the right wing back honestly like, I can't believe all the things we're discussing after yesterday is whether or not Conor Grant can cut inside in his left foot that's a good point actually yeah I didn't really look at it like that <sighs> Right. I'll accept maybe we could... For me, Conor Grant is penciled in to start against Crew, And the only thing that can change that is if we sign another attacking mid. So I'll grant you we might this, sign another right centre mid, but we don't need one. At this point, are you going to find someone who's better like suited in that position? I don't think with, a, with less than a month to go, you're going to find someone who's going to do a better job than him in that position especially when we have bigger gaps elsewhere namely up front and at the back i think if we if we've got money or we've got you know we've got wage budget it's probably better spread around especially a third and a half or maybe another option up front that's from what i've seen for the first from the first from the first from the from the the, uh the uh truro game which i was at we um we need another and a half scott wotton isn't up up to it i don't think mike peck mike peck is um good enough to start right now um canavan looks good um and hopefully ameson should do a job but we need we need another one um to make any <laughs> to, to, to do anything really and it, i think conceding three goals against torquay i mean i wasn't there but um doesn't really bode well for our defense i mean it's it, it all stems back to what the initial question of this discussion was is like where do we need to strengthen and I mean, I would agree that Conor Grant is by far and away like not the worst problem here. The worst problem is, as Louis said, he's not a problem. Pe- Can we stop acting like he's a problem in the slightest? I, he was okay, like the it, big it, winner it. against Torquay. Sorry, continue. I'm 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 a big Conor Grant yeah, fan. Exactly, I've backed him for exactly. a while. Then I'm getting out on record before we get sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go ahead because I'm in agreement with all you've said. Um, yeah, it's. The problem, I do, as we're saying about the defence, I don't think Peck is at all ready to start. I don't think he's good enough on the ball in this system, quite frankly, to make it in this particular team. I, as you say, I don't think Scott Wooten's someone you can rely on. And to be honest with you, I don't particularly want to see Sawyer starting any more than he has to in that left centre-back position, unless he picks up the requirements of that role very quickly. I think we're staring down the barrel with him. So a new centre-back, I'd say, was a must. I think, you know, I know we've been linked to Byron Moore, but a striker in that mould, I think, would be very beneficial. Niall Ennis as well. I will admit I've not watched his what one appearance, but, you know, a, a, a striker in that mould's a good sign. So, yeah, I think coming back to what your initial question to Sam was, Nick, I can't say that I agree that right centre-mid is a particular problem for us at all while Conor Grant's around. The problem would obviously come if he wasn't and we had to play someone like Joel Grant or Sarsovic there who showed yesterday that they weren't up to it. That All that being said, I wouldn't be against a new signing there. I just agree with Louis in that sense that there isn't really anyone that springs to mind immediately that I think we could find there to do that job better than Conor Grant did. Um, a quick, quick mention for Scott Wooten because I've made my opinions on him quite clear over the last year. Um, I believe... I might have written down that the guy couldn't be a professional footballer for any any level, something like that. Um, principally because he's um, sounds about right. Principally because he's not good enough in the air. You need to be good in the air if you're a centre back. Otherwise, I mean, particularly in League Two, the lower you go, you're going to find more and more direct teams exploiting that. We saw it last season. We we'll see it again this season, slightly. But he did well against well, he did well enough against Torquay. He 
because I think Sam will agree with this, Mike Peck was a bit of a weak link. And also, a quick point, Peck's probably only starting at the moment because A, it's pre-season, it's the best time to give him a run out and get him to build in the team and get better. And B, because obviously Ameson's not fit and you know Scott Wooten wasn't fit at all for Parkway and's probably just coming back to fitness now. So, so let's not forget that you know Peck is weeks, weeks into his first summer as a um, as a professional footballer. It's unlikely he's going to be involved in the first team when we get round to the start of the season immediately. And you know, so let's, let's not be too critical of him because he he's done well in preseason. He's got clear eyes for improvement, and over the next year in particular, as he you know really increases his strength, he's going to become better at dealing with players in the air, which was a weakness against Parkway and a real weakness against Torquay. Um, but Wooten came on for Peck, and I thought he did a reasonable job. He was good enough in the air, and he was a major calming figure at the back. Because I remember Adam Randall got it a few minutes after he came on, and Torquay was straight on him. Whereas against Parkway, they didn't put much pressure on him. He was able to get the ball turn, pick a spot and pass it, or dribble. Against Torquay, they put him under pressure straight away, made him go backwards. And who was there shouting louder than anyone? It was Wooten. Wooten was there telling him where to go, who to pass to. So he did that well. I mean, whether or not he's good enough to stay is a different matter, but yeah. it's at the very least worth praising when point. he did well. Like, he he had a decent enough game in this pre-season against Torquay, I grant you, he did his job well enough, but I think we'd all be agreed that going forward into the League 2 season with a back three, we don't particularly want to see him anywhere near it. Probably not, So at the same time, you know, a player doesn't make an error every game, do they? I mean, even if it's one every no, three or one every four, that's not going to be good enough. And we know enough about him from what we've seen, I think. Unless there's been some sort of miraculous coming over the summer, he's he's not exactly going to be... Well, he, he he's not going to be a miracle in the air suddenly. That's, I guess, is the point mm-hmm. I'm trying to make in a very odd and roundabout way. I say, well, let, let's switch to... The two, the two real important takings that we got from Torquay in particular, midfielders in particular, centre mid, and wing backs. Should we start with wing backs? Let's start with one of your other favourites, Louis Smith Brown. Yeah, yeah. I got out of the the three takes that I kind of made at the beginning of the season. Uh, Smith Brown was the the one I got horribly wrong. Uh, I hit kind of hit on Conor Grant. Uh, the other one will come on you to hit later. On Conor I Grant. Think, um, as, <laughs> well, <laughs> hit on the Conor Grant take. Congratulations. Um, He's panicking. And uh, <laughs> I'm panicking, am I? <laughs> um, but with Ashley Smith Brown, I thought he'd be um, he'd kind of be a staple at wing back. And from what I'm hearing, um, he wasn't great. Um, feel free to elaborate. Too defensive <laughs> in his mindset. He he can't. He's one of those who's got to get to nosebleed whenever he goes too far with the ball. Doesn't seem to look very comfortable running forward and crossing. He's a left back playing at left wing back in a very attacking mm, formation. Absolutely. Whereby last season Ryan Lowe often not in, not exclusively but often actually used wingers at wing back rather than actual fullbacks or wing backs. So should say virtually exclusively. He... If you look at their top top minutes makers, two in the top five are Nicky Adams, who started most, if not all, virtually all games at right wing back, and Callum McFadden, who have just signed, who started nearly all their games at left wing back. It was almost exclusively wingers. You know, you have to be really so, attacking so, yeah. in that formation. Exactly, yeah, you do. You don't, you absolutely do. And um, Smith Brown just isn't that. Whether he can mentally adapt and you know, re, you know, reevaluate himself and and become that, possibly he can. But I think it's going to be a big ask for him to have such a complete change of mindset. Because at the moment, 
you know, generally speaking, low using wingers there. If you were if you were a wing back like Riley, you know, he's not a winger, but he's able to adapt to that role a lot better because he's at least a wing back. Swift Brown isn't even a wing back; he's a full back, so that's that little bit more defensive again. So again, I think that's that's going to be a real difficulty if he does play there. Uh, it, it's important. It's important time. to point out that a lot of people have been criticising Argyle's defence, and uh, rightfully, kind of rightfully so against Torquay. But you've sort of you, you've got to um, you've got to think about how Low wants these people to play, and the way the way you get away with having so many attacking players on the pitch is that you overwhelm opposition teams. You have them thinking so much about how to stop them from attacking. Right, so you've got both fullbacks and wingers. If you know if you're playing a team that's four four two or four three three or whatever, you want both of those thinking about going back to stop the winger. Right, you want the entire team to be thinking about how do I stop them scoring? Because you're looking at Lowe's team last season. You're looking at two attacking mids, two wingers, and two strikers. How many teams you know have that many real, genuine goal scoring threats on the pitch at any one time? Plus, of course, setbacks. Uh, sorry, setbacks. I mean, um, centre backs from set pieces. Um, you know, and the odd chance that someone can score from range. You want the way he worked was to get teams thinking so critically about how they defend. They throw everyone behind the ball, leave a striker or two upfield, but the only way that they can get it to them is by hitting long clearances. So if the centre back wins the header or slows them down, you can quickly steal possession back. Then you're on the attack again, right? Smith Brown can't do that because you compare him to Riley on one flank or even McFadden when he came on. When whenever um, McFadden got the ball first thought, or generally his first thought was to try and turn and run at his man take him on, whenever Smith-Brown got the ball he sort of hesitantly jogged towards the fullback and then cut back and passed it back to Edwards and then the onus was on Joe Edwards to do the work you know he, 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 when you've got no one else in front of you, you've got to be the winger and Smith-Brown just wasn't that and he, on top of that he struggled a bit defensively as well he looked out, of, he looked lost in his place when he when Argyle had the ball and when they didn't have the ball, I think his positioning is obviously not as good as um like Joe Riley on the side because Joe Riley what he lacks in um, like pace he he definitely makes up for his kind of his you know his his positioning and his kind of mental aspect of the game um and obviously McFadden's played in the in a wing back position for for a, a while now and kind of obviously knows the position as well but for Smith Brown to adapt to that position is definitely going to take him time um to to kind of gel together his defensive and offensive duties they are <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like it should be different but it is so different from playing fullback um because you've got to do everything up that side without without really any help i think what we've generally touched on is kind of what i was thinking in the sense that you've got such a difference between what we saw from smith brown and riley and what one's instinct is is the other one you know as they meander towards the fullback and eventually passed it back inside i think Smith Brown, he's got. I feel like we've said this about Smith Brown for a very long time, even with Adams there. But he's got an awful lot to learn, and whether he can do it, I guess remains to be seen. But I think the the signs aren't great, and I think particularly when you compare it to the other side, where we've got Riley there, somebody who, yeah, granted, could be improved upon, but I wouldn't be particularly against him starting against Crew, providing you know we've invested in other areas of the squad. Smith Brown, on the other hand, he's a long way away. I think from being at the level required to to make that start against Crew, based on what Lowe wants him to do. And yeah, whether he can pick it up, as I say, remains to be seen, but I can't say I'm particularly confident. Not at all. I think it would be good if we could have another player who can play wing-back, maybe even someone who's quite versatile, Left wing back, who can mean. play on either side. 
Well, yeah, but I think it'd be good to have another right wing back option because I think with right, you know, I think you said you'd like Sarsovic there and the lack of him being a central midfielder. Joel Grant. I think it, and, and I, I don't disagree or Joel Grant, but I think it's clear, unfortunately, low sees both of those two central midfielders. I mean, I, hopefully he'll change his mind, but at the moment it seems to both central midfielders. So I think somebody who could play on either side, add, add a bit of um, uh, just versatility, add a bit of depth in the squad, somebody who can play right, right and or left wing back uh, would be pretty good. But if you've got McFadden as the primary left wing back, Maybe Riley and or the new guy as the primary right wing back. You've got Sarsovic and Joel Grant who can play there. That would, for me, pretty much complete the wing backs. And then if we've got at least one more attacking central midfielder, one more centre back, and one more striker, then that's probably the, the four main areas. Plus, add, plus, chuck a few backups in. Probably another six signings or so in total. I mean, for me, the wing backs are done, but that's because in my eyes. And this is going to move us nicely into the discussion of centre midfield. But in my eyes, Sarsovic and Grant can only be wing-backs in this formation. Maybe maybe Grant could learn to play up front in the same way that Byron Moore did. But for for me, I mean, we've got McFadzine and we've got Smith-Brown on the left now. And the upside to McFadzine is that Smith-Brown can now learn from him. I mean, they've only been together for what, a few weeks, but ideally, one will be able to teach the other. And they'll be able to pick it up through experience. And I can tell you, I can tell you this for free: McFadden, based on highlights and what I've read as well, did not pick up the left wing, at least the defensive aspects. He didn't pick up the uh, role very quickly or easily. Um, and I should say, I put some of those in um, McFadden's analysis piece. If you go back and watch, you'll see there's a fair few picked out there, including the most senseless handball I think I've ever seen, jumping for a corner in the last five minutes, getting nowhere near, and just sticks his hand out. Anyhow. Um, so that's the left sorted for me, and then on the right we're looking at Riley and Joel Grant or Sarsovic, and then Grant in theory could play either side. So you know, for me that's five players who can fill the wing back formations. That's done. Tick for me. Move on it to the other areas. Depends of the squad. if Lowe sees it that and, way, though, doesn't it? And the thing is, you, as well as having you know those options, you've also got the player that's playing in central midfield at the moment, um, Joe Edwards, who looks very, very, very comfortable um, playing that role. Could also probably play on on the wide position as well. I believe yeah, if played, needed um, to. Yeah. Yeah. So we he, again, we've got that. You know, we've got versatile players in the squad. I mean, I wouldn't move him from centre midfield because from what I saw, he was so in that, in good against that Torquay. He yeah, was he, so good. And 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 I could tell from 40, 45 minutes against um, Truro, he just looked he looked like the the most comfortable player on the pitch. Just you know, dictated the play and, and did the job that we needed him to. Really. Also a leader as well. I was sat in what I think it was the penultimate row. Um, at Torquay I could, really couldn't be that much further from the pitch could hear him all the way back there I could hear clearly what he was saying then there's virtual silence from the rest of the team and yet you could hear his voice coming through clear leader who's in the pack sorry? sorry? who's that sorry? Joe Why Edwards no oh, Joe, Joe Edwards right yeah yeah and it's, oh it's, I could hear Joe Edwards that? against yeah. Parkway I think we all heard Joe, uh, sorry not Joe Edwards I could hear Joe Riley against Parkway <laughs> I think yes, you can remember too. that Jeff Jeff <laughs> Jeff, oh for <laughs> sake! Yeah, that's the thing. That's I just add on to that is that obviously losing um, David Fox in the middle, he's going to kind of hopefully take over in that kind of leadership role that David Fox. Because you'd always used to hear David Fox, you know, talking. You'd always Did see you? him when the players. Well, you, you could always see him. Well, you could he always see seemed him, like, silent visibly. in the game. He always seemed, you know, he had something well, to say afterwards. It's a bit like Songo. Both could have something to say afterwards, but they're as good as you know, useless during the time. At the well, moment. I, I guess. Well, it depends. But, um, Was that your opinion as well, Sam, Adam? Um... Not mine, I have to say. I, I think um, 
Edwards in that sense is, I'd argue, a massive upgrade on Fox in terms of his communication. I think Agreed. yesterday I was sat in the second front row, I think, so I would have been able to hear him a lot better than you did, Nick. But I saw, I mean, his gesticulating as well, like getting players into position yeah, exactly. seemed like a big positive. And that's something I didn't see very often with David Fox. So, or yeah, Songa. I think that's, that's a positive for us going forward in the sense that we have lost Fox, but we've gained someone who's going to be a much better talker and obviously, of course, yeah, much more effective in the role than Fox ever would have been. I think Fox was a talker when, when Argyle were in possession, but not so much a talker when we were out of possession. He was, oh, yeah, that's he was true. Like, he, he, he would often yeah. shout kind of where, where the pass needed to go and, and that kind of thing, but he wouldn't so much lead the press or or shout where people needed to be defensively position-wise when we didn't have the ball. He was never really much of a defender anyway, was he? He was, no. he was always kind of just... We always used to no, kind of no. just hide, hide him defensively. So you never imagined him to do that kind of, you know, that kind of thing. But I, he, I, I you know, from my... I haven't been, too, haven't been there too much over the last few years, but from what I saw from Fox, he used to... He was fine organising the play going forward. Um, and hopefully Edwards can kind of just, you know, take over and exceed that role. Because um, he seems like he can do that very well. But now on to the um, the most miserable lesson of of talking in particular, Sarsovic <clears throat> in centre mid, Joel Gran centre mid, big no no. Um, I'll sort of explain. So so you look at the way, if you look at the player profile, let's say, of who Low used in that position last season for Bury, he used Danny Mayer, he used Callum Styles, he sometimes when he had to used uh, oh what's his name um, Neil Dans, and otherwise he used Jay O'Shea. The way all four of those guys play, they're very comfortable in possession. They'll happily go seek the ball, turn, you know, drive it forward a bit, lay it off, get it back, bring it forward. You know, they're principally possession oriented, right? They are not just possession oriented, but passing oriented. You know, they can pass, they can see when to pass, they understand the movement of their teammates around them. That you know, their skills lie there as well as anything else. Danny May is a classic. You know, he'll get the ball, he'll carry it, he'll draw someone in, and then lay it off for the pass. Right? Nice and simple. Keep it nice and simple. A bit like Conor Grant was doing against Torquay. Draw him in, lay off the pass, you've created the space. Um, Joe O'Shea was a bit more direct. He could dribble, or Mayer could dribble and beat a man too, but it, he could also you know, slot through some nice passes. Callum Styles in particular was less about the dribble, far more about the incisive through ball. A bit like Lemiris in that way. As we know from watching two and a half years of mm. Sarsovic, he's not that. He's the person who benefits from that. It's why when we had Karen Lemiris doing that back in the half, second half of 2017-2018, Sarsovic was the person running onto those balls, not making those passes. And it's why when Sarsovic moved into attacking mid last season, it generally blunted Argyle's play because it meant that the, the tip of their midfield was someone who wasn't particularly good with, with the ball. He's dribbling in the sense of driving with the ball and getting his head down and running with the ball. That's pretty good. But yeah, in it's, the it's sense bit, of actually bit... passing and picking out passes isn't so good. Go on. It's not just that, it's like there's two different kinds of dribbling. There's your Yaya Toure yeah, right. power dribbling, you've got your David Silver intricate, you know, flicking it past people. And more yeah. often than not, you need that silver style, and Sarsovic just doesn't have that. He's a person Agreed. that, you know, he, he generates his momentum, then once he gets going, it's a bit like Joe Riley in the way he runs. Once he gets going, he's hard to stop because he'll sort of power past you, he's got good momentum. The David Silver style means that you don't have to be going too fast. You can just knock it past a couple of people and lay it through. We saw a bit of that from Grant, you know, when he's intricately knocking it about in his feet and then laying it off rather than, you know, having to get generate that head of steam and charge forward. But anyhow, yeah, Sars was just... He and Grant were both... They were as good as anonymous, anonymous in the first half yesterday. Yeah, Grant had... 
Grant had the odd good flick here and Joel there, Grant, but, we should add, just to make sure. Joel Grant, yeah, Joel Grant, Grant had the odd good, yeah. But yeah, Joel Grant had the odd good, the, the odd scattered good moment. But he had so so long, you know, many moments have not been in the game at all. So uh, I think, I think, yeah, it, it, neither of them should be looking at starting at Crew. And I think if either of them do, it would it not be not in that position anyway. No, not in that position. No. And it's like it's on top of that. You've got to factor in this was Torquay with a pr- pretty limited. I mean, their strength lies in. Well, as far as I can tell, I should say I haven't watched much of them. But as far as I can tell, their strength lies in two pretty dynamic, strong attacking strikers, right? Yeah. Not in their midfield, and yet Grant and Sarsvich, Joel Grant and Sarsvich, made barely a dent on their midfield. They, if you can't get going against Torquay in we a pre-season friendly, we do not want friendly, to be in this position again where we're carrying players like we were last season for so long. We don't want yeah. to be in the position where we're carrying players who are a drain on the team, and that's what in, I think it would be if those two started on a regular basis. Yeah, in, you that, look at, in, in that position. You look at Joel Grant again. His skill isn't in, uh, isn't in passing; it's in dribbling. And in particular, I can see him being a good a good wing back. I can see him doing very well at wing back. In particular, he's got the defensive work ethic that's going to help him, and he's got the um, you know the mobility. I think he and McFadden on either side is probably the way to go. Mm. But he just can't play in centre mid. Straight up, cannot. We saw that yesterday. The happy, I think the happiest was was when he was moved out of centre mid, and we saw Conor Grant come on. I think it was an experiment worth trying because I think when um just you know if anybody is listening, check out my article about Joel Grant last season when he, he <laughs> shameless <inside>. plug. <laughs> but he, yeah, well, he, he, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, Did you my. say the words? Is anybody listening? I said if anybody's listening, but although that's still a bit <laughs> silly, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, well, anyway, to those of you who are listening, uh, that that can be edited. To those of you who are listening, um, look look at my article about. Sorry, I nearly had a bit of my theory there. Let, right, let's just start that whole sentence again. To those of you who are right, listening, I'm going to sum this up. J- go on to Argo Life, Argo Life, search for Joel Grant. Tat- just Google Joel Grant's tactical evolution. Done. So, yes, That's so the bit you're talking about. Yes, so Joel anyway. Grant's tactical evolution. Exactly. I think there's yes. even a link to it on Wikipedia. Oh, is there really? Well, anyway, well, because of that, I kind of thought that's an experiment worth trying him in attacking centre midfield. Because he cut, you know, he's learnt to cut inside more. He's learnt to dribble with the ball more in central areas. I thought, you know what, that could actually work. Fair play. It's, it's a di- it's a bit of a different idea, but I do like it. But even though he started to cut inside more from the wide positions, that doesn't mean that he's necessarily well equipped to start from the wide positions because he, although he did do well tactically evolving in that way, but in terms of starting from that role. Not the same. Hasn't done well in the three games. Even against Truro and Parkway, he didn't do particularly well in those positions. Yeah, against Parkway, the only good thing he did was that late run onto Randall's beautiful pass over the top. Mm. Otherwise, he just, you know, he just doesn't look like he knows what he doesn't look like he knows when to accelerate, when to decelerate. And that was in a game where he had plenty of possession against Torquay, where he had to earn that possession rather than just being afforded it. Nothing, barely touched the ball. He must his passes must have been in single figures, I think, for the first half. In a pre-season friendly against a National League side, when we're looking at promotion from League 2, he's either got to learn an awful lot in a short space of time, or he's got to be moved into a wing-back role. Yeah. I guess the positive take we can have from that is that if we're going to find that out on the pitch, the best time to do it is now, rather than going into those first games of the league season and dropping points as a result of us carrying those passengers. Yeah, I... I didn't necessarily think it was a bad experiment, like Sam said, although I would say his tactical evolution, I, in my mind anyway, made him more suited to having a look at the striker role rather than the attacking midfield one. But anyway, it was it was worth a look. And, you know, the fact it it hasn't worked, I think we can all agree and say that's case closed now. Joel Grant should not be playing there. Is something that, as I said, I'd much rather find out now than find out at the full-time whistle at crew. 
So, yeah, as long as we don't do it again, that's fine by me. Yeah, and I, I think one, th- one thing we'll say is that we're talking about a lot of this, you know, Lowe's got to realise this, Lowe's got to realise that. But, hey, to be fair, maybe he has already realised it, but he's just literally playing who he's playing now because, you know, there are signs yet to come and there's a lot of players injured. I mean, you know, there aren't that many players who can play in certain positions without maybe starting Purrington or Sangster or, you know, those kind of players. But, yeah, I, I think there's probably, there's probably, you know, I, I would hope he is he is seeing the same things we're seeing. And uh, if he's not seeing the same things we're seeing, I, I hope that we're proved to be very much wrong. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's a very valid point, though, and it's one that I was planning to touch on, but you raised it ahead of me, so nice one. Um, is that, I mean, we... When you look at who's been available, and in particular if you look at the performances, I don't think... Well, let's, So Conor Grant, Joe Edwards and Danny Mayer are going to be the starting midfield three I th- for me when we go okay. into the start of the season unless we sign someone new. They haven't played a minute together yet as far as I'm aware. You know, Edwards was injured for the Parkway game and then played most of the Torquay game. Telford's played 13 minutes. Taylor's played a half against Truro and a half against Tor- uh, Parkway. Same for Danny Mayer. Uh, Ameson hasn't played a single minute yet. Um, Cooper's only played half a game against Torquay. Palmer, uh, not Palmer, Truro. sorry. Um, Truro, sorry, that's one. Uh, Holmes played half of the minutes available to the goalkeepers and he hasn't even been offered a contract. We assume his trial's over. When you, when you look at who's actually played, we, first off, we haven't seen that much of many of the people who will be starting. Second, when we have, they haven't been in combination together. They've been generally split up and paired with all the you know young players. So we've seen lots of minutes and we'll close this by talking about Lolos so uh, Louis can get some stuff out. Um, yeah, we've seen a lot of minutes for Lolos, we've seen a lot of minutes for Fletcher, we've seen a few minutes for Parrington and Sanks, so lots of minutes for Randall, lots of minutes for Mike Peck. You know, th- these guys aren't very likely to be involved once the season gets started, except for when we get into cup competitions. So there's all these different things to consider. But yeah, let's let's close by talking about both Lolos and Randall, because let's face it, they've probably been the highlights and they've been at least the breakout stars of preseason, would you not say? Uh, I'd, 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 I'd actually say Joe Riley and Joe Edwards have been, have been the two best players of preseason. I said I'd, breakout I'd, players. Oh, breakout players, okay. Um, I, just, I just said stars of preseason. I think your Wi-Fi cutting Oh, I did say bit. stars of preseason too, but I mean, in terms oh, okay. of... Yeah, well, in terms of breakout youth players, those have been the best two, for sure. I mean, Ryan Lowe said before the Truro game that there are two 17-year-olds who very much impressed him. You know, he might have slightly got their ages a bit wrong there, but um, I, I think it's clear now he was talking about those two. He was definitely talking about Randell and Lolos. Um, I think Lolos, my feeling on him before this season, it was, it was a bit, mm, I was kind of thinking, he's obviously very tall, he's very strong, but it, has he got the necessary technical ability to step up to the men's game, you know, rather than just dominating youth players. That was my, not, you know, not major that, that was my little niggle of worry I had with him. But having seen him play in those three games, yeah, he, he, he's done well. He seemed to be a very promising player. He showed, he's driven with the ball well. He, he's obviously scored two goals, so, you know, can't say fairer than that. And he's um, actually passed the ball better than I've seen of him in the limited times I've seen the youth games. Not that I've seen the youth games loads, but when I have, he, he, he didn't really show a great deal of passing, so he's, he's developed in that area. So I think yeah, yeah agreed. I'd seen well. a few. I'd seen a few. Um, uh, in particular, the what are they called again? Uh, Premier League Cup last season. He didn't seem to be that good of a passer then, and yet, yeah, really good. This this well, pa- his passing still needs a bit of work, but is his actual link-up play and interchange play? Yeah. Pro- problem Will I still have him. He holds onto the ball about two or three seconds too long and kind of runs yeah. himself into cul-de-sacs. But hey, listen, he's eighteen. That that'll come. My, away, my, so my that dad. Will... Um, uh, compared him to Lemiris in that way, and that you know Lemiris mm. often held onto the ball a bit too long. Yeah, it's not about not a bad shout. And um, 
Randell, where he, he brought it up. One of his better footballing takes. Yeah, I agree. Rand, Rand, well, not, not, not I agree. I don't know I him, but say. I agree it's a good take. I mean, you know, I agree it's a good take. Um, uh, I agree with him. Uh, anyway, so mo- moving on from the discussion of your dad. Um, I, yeah, Randell. How about we let Louis have a say? I know he's dying to. Go on then, Louis. Oh, I just, I told you so. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it might come back to bite me in a bit, but I, I you know, we need to use some of the youth players. I've been saying it for years. And again, limited, you know, I kind of limited, you know, times I've seen him. I thought he showed good promise and he, he's kind of just proven me, you know, proven me right. And I think maybe, maybe don't start him, you know, maybe try and find someone who is, you know, better suited to starting in League Two, but keep him in and around the team. And I think he could come good in a few years. And he's showing, he's showing signs of that already. I mean, give him some games in the uh, in the cup. Even oh, in the if cup, not yeah. games, bring, you know, bring him on. You know, give him a some, chance. Some, some appearances, and I think the same same with Randall. I mean, obviously Joe Edwards has kind of got that central midfield position kind of locked down. I think, but I think Randall could be the backup in that position. Um, yeah, you or, say that. I mean, what we're one Joe Edwards injury away as the squad stands to having Randall as the starter. So exactly. It, 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 Stealing a quote from yeah. one of my articles there. <laughs> Wait, I think that's the most word for word what I wrote. <laughs> but I had a different slant, which was, my yeah, God, see, you need to sign someone because Randall isn't ready yet. Well, I clearly read them then, Sam. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, I, I read them, but I think Randall could potentially be ready. You know, not, not ideally, but he could deputise quite well. Go on, Adam, you, you finish off. They'll come back to Randall. I, to be honest, I can't remember where I was other than that, to be honest. Like, do I... Am I in the position of thinking that he can start? I mean... If you asked me a few days ago, possibly, but that was based on very much on a performance against Parkway rather than a performance against a, a much tougher opposition. And, of course, the league will have tougher opposition still. So I think a little bit raw, but at the same time, I would agree that starting him in the cup competition, giving him minutes and keeping him in, in and around the first-team squad can only be a good thing. And certainly in a few years, I'd say, from the limited bits that we've seen that he's capable at this moment in time. I think it's a bit of a cliche, and I, you know, it, well, it is, it is a terrible cliche. But I think he plays like a player much older than he is. He's got real composure. He can see passes. I think that a lot of other players can't see. I've, I've been pretty impressed by him. I hadn't seen him much at all. I'll be honest. He's one of the youth players who I hadn't seen a lot of uh, before the season. I think I saw him. You know, I saw the uh, I follow for the Newport game in the Checker Trade. I think I maybe seen him in one other youth or reserve game, and that's about it before this preseason. But in all three games, I think he's played very well. So a lot of maturity. Maybe he's yet to learn the defensive aspects of it. He didn't quite nip in and steal the ball from people's feet and pick up loose balls like Edwards did. Is he physically ready? I would say no. But I think that can come with time. And if you maybe, you know, protect him a bit better with other players around him, is he technically and, and mentally ready? I think he's getting there and I think he's not that far off it, to be honest with you. I think technically speaking, he's a, a young player with a great deal of talent. And I think I'm not saying he should be you know, if say if Joe Edwards were to, um, you know, God forbid, do his ACLs tomorrow, if would I then say, oh great, Randall could start the season? No, in that instance, I would want to sign a new player. But would I be happy? You know, if Edwards had like a short-term injury for like three or four games, would I be happy for Randall to come in for those three or four games? Yeah, I definitely would. Depends. Is that a Derek Adams short-term injury? Well, yeah. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> now those Derek Adams short-term injuries of four games that become four months aren't actually going to be a thing anymore. But, but yeah, I still remember it, when Conor limit, Grant was going to be ready limited. like for seven matches in a row between December and January and yet yeah. he didn't play a single minute for the rest of the season. Yeah. I seem to remember that starting with Ruben Reid, wasn't it, against Accrington? They were like, oh, he might miss a couple of weeks. It, it, when did it was he come after, back? I think from it was right the before the Morecambe game. And he said, it, as far as I remember, he said he'll be back for Morecambe and he wasn't back till January, which yeah. is like three months. <laughs> 
Same for Boateng. It was like, Boateng will be back next week. Gone. Okay, cool. Anyhow, right. That is our show. Um, we're probably going to close actually with one more thing, which is congratulations, England, to winning the World Cup. Never thought I'd be able to say that in my lifetime, but technically it doesn't really count because it wasn't football. But nevertheless, that was a fantastic game to watch. And being, well, I think we're all cricket fans, aren't we? Yeah, oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, that was outstanding. Game. Complete frauds. Didn't deserve to win, especially now I know that Ben Stokes' <laughs> six run should have been five. But who cares? Come Josh on. Josh will kill you next time we're on for saying that. He will, Josh. Yeah. Does he know I mean, about the five run thing? There, no, yeah, like... but you just slated you didn't he, in the group chat for saying it was undeserved. Well, I think oh, I said yeah, that New Zealand did. probably deserved to win, which, to be fair, they probably did. But anyhow, no, that's neither here nor there. Thank you very much for listening. <sighs> Good night. Good night. Good night. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.